This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success, with your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. You have exactly three seconds to grab someone's attention uh, and, and maybe, you know, they don't, maybe they do, but that's your packaging, your branding, your image. That's what you have to hang your hat on. Of course, the product has to be spectacular as well, but someone's not going to try the product without seeing the packaging first. You know, the, that's your first moment of impact. And so with strong branding, it's, it's everything. This was Jordan Winchawa Amatia, the third mom entrepreneur on hitting the mark back to back, who successfully conquered the food business. And another amazing inspiration to anyone who wants to move a passion into a business and subsequently into a brand with heart and soul. Jordan founded Base Culture as a bakery catering to the healthy, pure, and primal lifestyle that could be summed up as the paleo diet. She wanted to live a healthy lifestyle, but have a brownie. So she baked it until it was perfect. She could not find a co-packing facility, so she created her own and waited two years to have it built and finalized. While keeping hundreds of stores and journalists interested in her products idle. What I learned about Jordan is that she is stubborn and passionate. And those two traits may just be the key ingredients to her success. Today, she's working out of a 44,000 square foot facility, and her range of products can be found in over 7,000 stores nationwide. And now, over to my conversation with Jordan. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. So you started your company, Base Culture, at age 22, which was only five years ago, and it came from your obsession with the paleo diet. Tell us a little bit about the origins of your brand. Yeah, so I had graduated from college and joined a CrossFit gym, and they were doing this paleo challenge where I honestly didn't know what paleo was, but I figured I should participate and get involved in the community and what they were doing to make friends and get involved. So... I jumped in and did 30 days where you eat meat, vegetables, seeds, and nuts and fruit. And uh, after that was concluded, I felt so much better. And so I don't have like a celiac disease or gluten intolerance, but overall I did realize the impact of eating this way versus, you know, the college diet, which <laughs> probably isn't the healthiest. And so I noticed things in my life were changing, like I had more energy with consistent levels instead of having highs and lows throughout the day. And I was sleeping better at night. Uh, you know, I wasn't tossing and turning and things like that. So I realized that there really was something to this. Uh, and it wasn't just about weight loss or, or you know, physical appearance or anything like that. It was more how I wanted to live my life and wanted to continue down this journey. And so that's that's really how I got introduced to paleo uh, right off the bat. But then I wanted to continue following this lifestyle, but I realized to do so that I needed to figure out a solution for my sweet tooth and for products that I know and love and grew up eating like sandwiches and banana breads that I, I missed in my everyday life when I was on this lifestyle for paleo. But you know, it didn't exist in the marketplace. And so that's why I started creating the products. It was very much for selfish want or desire 
that I was filling a void in my life um, and, and kind of created what it is today just by bringing it to the marketplace and, and introducing it to my friends and family and kind of word of mouth started spreading organically. So that was my introduction into this whole lifestyle that is all around paleo, but kind of stumbled on the business through that. How do you how do you move from baking treats, which I'm sure in the beginning you did out of your apartment or your dorm room, right? Like how, how do you how do you mm-hmm. go from baking them to actually selling them? I mean, are there any FDA issues even early on? And and just for our international mm-hmm. listeners, which is actually more than half of our audience, FDA is the Food and Drug Administration here in the US. How did that go from, you know, where did you start selling, first of all? Sure. So when I originally started selling it, I was actually just selling it on Facebook. So I would post when I was going to make something. And I had a regular day job at the time. So I would be working at my desk job from nine to five. And then I would work out from 530 to 630. And at some point during the day, I would post on Facebook saying, I'm making brownies tonight. Who wants some? And then people would place their orders on Facebook, contact me through a message and send me their address. And then I would deliver it to them on the weekend. And so by doing that, is insane. that, that is completely <laughs> yeah. insane. There is no FDA involved there that you could be a complete yeah, crazy no stranger. Involved. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> wow. There's a lot of trust in humanity after all. <laughs> there is, you know, there's definitely something to say about that for sure. But, um, do, and doing that, I was operating under the cottage food law, which allows you to make food out of your apartment. And so with that, I guess that that legal standpoint, you can't sell to someone and ship it to them. So that was one parameter I had to work with. So it had to be hand delivered. And then the other parameter was you can't sell to retail stores because they do require some certifications. Right. But if you just sell basically like at a farmer's market type setting, or if you deliver the products to the person by hand, then you're cleared to do whatever you want. And so I took advantage of that and I would make all of these products throughout the night and then, like I said, deliver it on the weekend and sell on um, on Sundays at a farmer's market and just a test of the waters. I mean, truthfully, at the time, I didn't realize that this could be a business. I didn't realize what legs it had, if it had any legs at all. It was just something fun for me to do. And I found enjoyment and in, in baking at night. And I'm not culinary trained or I don't have a history in baking. It is just something I enjoyed doing growing up with my mom. Um, and so just kind of reliving those days and getting in the kitchen and figuring out recipes that worked, I found a lot of joy in. And so I just followed that and started organically selling. Uh, and my advertising was word of mouth. It was very grassroots. And was it mainly catering to um, the friends within your your Facebook groups that actually followed the paleo diet? Or was it just anyone that says, hey, I like your brownies? Or I, I'm sure I would like your brownies. How, how did that work? Yeah, so it originally started with people that were specifically interested in paleo. And then once they tried it, they're like, holy cow, this is just a really good brownie. But it also checks off the boxes for being paleo or grain-free, or gluten-free, or dairy-free, or soy-free, or non-GMO. It has all of these attributes, but at the core base of the product I'm eating 
it's just a really good brownie. So it wasn't like they were sacrificing taste or texture or that experience of indulging in a sweet treat for the alternatives of what you would consider a healthy product. And so once they realized that, okay, wow, this is awesome and I really enjoy this, I think a word of mouth started spreading just on a really good product that was healthier or better for you. And so as time continued, my core paleo group of people that were buying for the purpose of paleo started expanding. And now we're seeing that really just people that want to live healthier lifestyles are our key customers because yes, it, it does check the box for paleo, but it has so many other answers within the, the product itself. So it kind of has migrated out to just people that want to eat better food that is nutritionally uh, focused and, and has that deliverable aspect to it. Absolutely. And I think for, for a startup founder, having that built-in tribe in the beginning, though, right, like that small mm -hmm. subgroup that you wholeheartedly can support um, must be so amazing because you can you can literally you know get a get a relatively small audience in a huge place like the US with its I don't know 329 something million people mm -hmm. and you would have a loyal tribe of like hundreds of thousands if not millions and so it's such totally. a and it, it wasn't even a trick you utilized you're like you know it, it was just a passion which um you are the third um female founder um Uh, who happens to be an entrepreneur, um, who happens to be a mom, and who happens to have gone into food and beverage um, without any experience, just based on passion or, <laughs> or a need. And it's and it's really really inspirational. So um, I love I love having you on, and I love hearing hearing that story. But you know, looking back, what was that one big breakthrough moment where you felt like, okay, my little startup is actually turning into a brand? Yeah, so I actually had some unexpected news coverage. This was still in the days of my apartment uh, when I was baking there. And I recognized that there were a couple of news anchors from a local news channel following me on Facebook and Instagram or following the business. And so I reached out to them and I figured, you know, if you don't ask, you'll never get. So I just sent them a message and said, hey, do you guys want to do a story? And one of the anchors responded and said, yeah, oh, we're really interested in this paleo thing. You know, this was back when paleo was kind of making it a name for itself, but not really. And they wanted to learn more about it. And um, and they recognized what I was doing in the Tampa area where I'm from. And so she said, here's my number. Give me a call. Let's set something up. And so I did. I went in. We did a segment. And it aired in Tampa like they said it would. But what I didn't recognize was that they have a network pool of companies that they're, they work with around the country. So they put this story in their network pool. And it was picked up by other channels and played multiple times for a week straight. <laughs> and so I had national news coverage that was completely unexpected. And I had people calling, trying to place orders. I had retail stores asking if they could buy it to sell it to their customers. And it was, you know, obviously way more than I could handle or even do in my apartment. And that was really where I saw, okay, is this bigger than what I anticipated? Or is this, you know, something I want to take advantage of and go forward with? And it was at that time, I remember... Uh, what restaurant I went to with my dad and I sat down with him and I remember the table we sat at and I told him <laughs> how exciting this was and how much uh, support I was getting from the community and what had happened with the, the new segment. And I you know, explained 
what I wanted to do with it and how much passion I had behind it because I recognized that I was helping people, not only people that wanted to live this healthy lifestyle, but people that needed to eat this way because they did have uh, gluten intolerances or sensitivities to foods and that they didn't have access to products like this and they were you know quote unquote suffering or having to sacrifice for products that they really wanted or, or just wanted to enjoy and so with that i explained all of this and he very quite frankly told me and in the most loving way possible that you know i had a hobby and a business and i was doing both poorly and i needed to spend more time on my business and less time on my hobby if that's the way i wanted to go and the direction i wanted to head in and so that was i think really the pivotal moment for me where i decided that i'm all in you know blood sweat and tears i'm diving in head first and this is this is what i want to do with my life this is my passion and so at that point i got out of my small my by my apartment and went to a small commercial kitchen and rented some space and started turning it into more of a business. So first of all, I love what your what your dad said. Um, it, it it is it is so it is so wonderful and it's so true. Um, and, yeah. and so now fast forward, and you were about to get there. Um, I read, and this is fascinating. I read that you couldn't find a co-packer to package your line of mm -hmm. products. So after eight months, you after eight months of looking, you actually took it into your own hands and built your own facility, which I guess today yeah. is forty four thousand square foot in size today. Um, but that move sounds amazingly stubborn, <laughs> inspiring, <laughs> and also extremely difficult to pull off. Like, did you have a hard time finding a co-packer because you needed a facility to not package any goods that may contaminate your pure products? How, how hard, how was that? Yeah, so there's a couple reasons why we decided to build our own facility. One reason was because of the contamination issue. So our products are certified non-GMO, gluten-free, paleo, kosher, and it's made in an SQF level two facility, which stands for safe quality food. And so I wanted those certifications around the products wherever they were going to be made. The problem was there wasn't a manufacturing plant in the country that could deliver on those aspects. And so to make sure that the products were consistent and of the highest quality and standards 100% of the time, I knew the only way I could guarantee that was if I kept my hands around the process from start to finish. And then furthermore, um, because our products were so unique to the industry, uh, there wasn't actually a manufacturing plant that had the processes set up to make the products because in a typical bakery, they're used to working with yeast and flour and sugars and all of these things that usually make up baked goods. But ours are made out of seeds and nuts and they're sweetened with honey instead of sugar. You know, there's no preservatives. They require to be frozen to extend their shelf life. And so there was a very different uh, process that, that these manufacturing plants were used to. And so You know, I didn't understand it at the time because I was like, hey, I'm going to pay you. Like, why can't you figure this out? Right. And, and I truly get it now because, you know, we do have our facility. You know, like you said, we did take on that responsibility and build it ourselves. So I understand where when you have a process in place, it is so pivotal to make sure that whatever products you're making within your process, don't screw up what you're already doing. And our products would have totally done that for these manufacturing plants. So with that, um, you know, I decided, and again, I sat down with my dad, who he's an entrepreneur himself. He's not in the food industry, but he's very business minded. And now he's one of my business partners. 
But um, I sat down with him again and, you know, I was like, I really only see the way forward is if we build our own plant. And, you know, that's, that's really the only way we're going to be able to grow this. And at the time I had a lot of interest from bigger retail stores, but in this industry, you can't get anyone to promise that they're going to send you a purchase order. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't happen. If they want your products and they're going to place an order, you're expected to deliver in two weeks. And so I had this interest, but I couldn't say without a shadow of a doubt, I knew that they were going to order if we build this facility because there was going to be a gap when the facility was being built um, before we could deliver it. So it might have been a little presumptuous, uh, maybe a little naive or, you know, optimistic, blinded (laughs) by passion. I don't know. (laughs) But um, we started looking for a facility. We were looking around the country and it actually one popped up in, in Clearwater where we are now, which was 20 minutes outside of Tampa, where I'm from and about 20 minutes away from my dad's house in St. Pete. And so the stars aligned and it was an old U.S. foods distribution plant. So it was set up with food in mind. So we didn't have to do any external changes to the facility. We just did internal renovations. But from permitting to move in, we did um, lose about two and a half years to to complete the project um, from the branded side of things. But I did continue to go out and pitch to the connections I had made to make sure that the relationships were moving forward and make sure that they understood that we were actually doing this thing (laughs) and that one day the lights would turn on and I would be able to actually sell them food and not just talk about it. And so, you know, thankfully I was able to make those relationships last so that when we did move into our facility, uh, it was, uh, let's see, it was February of uh, 2017 when we first moved in after the construction was complete from uh, February till July, we got those certifications that I mentioned In July, we hired a national broker to help us sell the products. And then in August and September, we did a rebranding to make our our image and kind of give it a facelift to go to the market and officially launched then in October of 2017. So even though I started the company many years prior to that, there was really only 100 stores buying from us uh, up until that point. So it was a big undertaking financially, emotionally, you know, physically, all of those words <laughs> oh, to sure. get to, to a yeah. place where we could actually grow the company. And um, and then from October to the end of 2017, we went from 100 stores to 1,000 stores, and then we were well on our way to, to growing quickly. Were you self-funded at the time where you took over that facility? We were self-funded. Uh, majority of it was self-funded, and we had a small business loan from a local bank. Okay, okay. Um, so you talked about you talked about when you did your rebranding, which was the smart thing to do at the time. You know, when 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 you were just about to really roll out, and as you as you told us, that happened very quickly when it happened. Um, yeah. How was how was the name derived? So it's kind of funny. When I originally started the company, I'd called it Paleo Box because I thought I'm making paleo food and I'm putting it in a box and I'm selling it. You know, there really wasn't genius behind it. It was very literal. Uh, But about five minutes after I called it Paleo Box, I realized I couldn't move forward with that name for two reasons. One, it was actually already trademarked and you can't do that. And two, uh, I didn't want to necessarily put the products I had created in 
a limiting limiting uh, platform. I wanted to be able to create a brand that could grow and fluctuate with the consumer's interest throughout time. And so with that, I realized, all right, let's rethink this. Let's figure out what, what am I truly trying to get across to the customer? And the idea behind paleo, you know, while I believe paleo is a wonderful lifestyle to follow and that there's no gimmicks, it's just neutral, nu- nutritionally based eating mm-hmm. that if Dr. Oz or someone of status or just the public eye gets online and says paleo is the worst thing in the world, which I don't believe they would, having the name in our the, as the name of the company would be detrimental. Right. And so I wanted to create a broader platform for us to grow on. And so with that, I realized, well, paleo is really just taking all the complications out of eating and bringing it back to its base, its core, what it is uh, when it's found in nature. And so that's really where base came from and culture is the idea of what I'm creating around this type of lifestyle. You know, we want to create this movement and this cultural like following of our customers and by doing that, we're going to provide them the tools they need to live their healthy and active lifestyle. And so that's the origin of base culture of how that was created. And it is a name that that you know stands out more than it fits in, <laughs> on, in mm-hmm. you know in the in the refrigerated you know um, aisle of uh, of a Walmart or you know or or Whole Foods. So totally. it's, it's super interesting, right? And you see on your website, and I, I believe it's kind of it's kind of your tagline. Um, you say base culture is simple, natural, primal. It kind of yep. reads like a manifesto. Um, what does that mean to the brand, and how does it inspire its future? Yeah, so it's really who we are. You know, we bring our products back to a simple standpoint. You know, when you look at a normal brownie, when I say normal, it's, you know, one of those prepackaged, very <laughs> artificially made or has a lot of preservatives in it. Um, you look at that, it's you look at the ingredient deck, there are a lot of ingredients in there that you don't understand or you can't even pronounce and you don't know what you're putting in your body. And that's not who we are. We're the exact opposite. You can read everything on our ingredient deck. You know exactly what it is. You know where it comes from. And it's it's products that you can trust. So making our products simple was truly important. And not only from when I started it in my apartment, but now that we're making thousands and thousands of products a day and sending it out to stores all across the country every single day, you know the that hasn't changed. Uh, and that was really difficult for us to grow go from my kitchen and my apartment and the recipes that I had created to this large manufacturing plant being able to produce on such scale to maintain that process and and that philosophy from the very start uh, it's been really key to our success and it's that simplicity that we fall back to every time and and natural again it's just a natural way of eating you know there's it's no gimmick there's no special pill that you have to take to be this way you know it's just natural it's what we're intended to do and and the primal aspect of it plays on the paleo word and so paleo is kind of nicknamed the caveman diet it's what our ancestors used to eat it's what you could find in nature and so it's that raw form of eating we just do it in a way and put it into a form that's recognizable in uh, in, in the bakery context. And so it has the ability to satisfy that sweet tooth or to indulge or quote unquote indulge, right? Because it is still very healthy and nutritional for you. So it's like indulging without the guilt. Absolutely. How, how was that? How was that rebrand 
effort. So you, you came from Paleo Box, you, you moved on to, to a new name, strong tagline. Um, everything went really, you know, to the heart of to the heart of what you're what you're trying to do without without you know putting you into a corner like Paleo so that you know that that, that you can't expand in the future. Um, how was that process of rebranding? How involved were you? Were you working with uh, a single person? Were you working with an agency? Um, tell us a little bit how how everything kind of came came together and also how important after that after that process do you think that that brand infused thinking um, was to the success of your startup yeah so we actually went through three different agencies before we found the agency that we moved forward with and Ouch. so it was a long <laughs> process <laughs> you're not the it only one yeah. it's i mean it, the hardest part of it was i had this image in my head of what i thought the company should be but also keep in mind you know, I was like 24, you know, so, so what do I really know yeah. <laughs> without any experience, without any knowledge of the industry, without any advice from some successful people in the industry? This was just truly gut feeling and gut reaction. But I had this picture in my head of what I thought the company would look like and what it would feel like and the way it would talk to the customers and the personality it would develop. But conveying that to the agencies in a way that they could take it from my brain and put it on paper was a hard process. And I think, you know, not to discredit the agencies that we spoke to, the first three agencies, it was probably mostly my fault because I wasn't able to articulate exactly what I was looking for. But through that process, I got I got more fine-tuned in my messaging and I got more directive into the creative aspect. And so when we found, uh, we worked with a company called Idle Partners and they're out of California and we still work with them today. They were the agency that ultimately brought base culture to life. And, you know, we invested tons of money just to get to that point, um, probably more money than we had. <laughs> well, I know it was more money than we had to spend at the time, but the, the way we came out of it and the image and the branding that we had uh, once we were done through th that process with Idle it was an image and the package, the packaging was mature and it was an image that could be brought to life. And it was something that demanded attention in the retail stores and, and grabbed the attention of the retail buyers that were giving us the opportunities to go into the store. And it, so it made us look much more mature than we actually were. And it gave us the ability to grow faster because of it. And so it was a hard process. It was a long process. It had to be done. And, and that's really, I think, what gave us the ability to develop the platform in which we've gotten to today. Um, we're actually, as of two weeks ago, started doing a brand refresh. You know, we're still working with the same company, Idol, to do this. Uh, but now the products have been in the industry for two years and we've seen little things that need to be tweaked or just changed a little bit. And so... We have more information now than I did two years ago because of that. And we can go back into our our design and, and make those changes to really even accelerate our growth faster. So, of course, you know, with time you learn and and now we have the ability to do those fine tunes. And now that you spent you spent a good amount of, of years, um, you know, talking, thinking, doing branding, um, some subliminally, you know, a lot of it through through an agency, um, and and a lot of it just you know by you by yourself, the way that you talk about the brand, um, what what does branding mean to you now? Well, I think it's 
I mean, it's everything. You know, people say don't judge the book by its cover, but in the consumer product world, that's exactly what people are doing. <laughs> you have exactly three seconds to grab someone's attention, uh, and and maybe you know they don't, maybe they do, but that's your packaging, your branding, your image. That's what you have to hang your hat on. Uh, of course, the product has to be spectacular as well, but. The, like someone's not going to try the product without seeing the packaging first. You know, the, that's your first moment of impact. Um, and so with, with strong branding, it's, it's everything. Your, your messaging has to be clear. It has to be concise. It's who you are. It's exactly what you breathe and, and you eat and you sleep and you dream. And, and that is all has to be captured within that package or within your brand, whether it be on the shelf or on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever platform you're promoting the products on. So if your branding isn't anything but exactly what you want, it'll come across untrue or won't accomplish the the work you want it to do for you. And so, you know, I think things have developed over time and little pieces have fallen into place, you know, where, where it just feels right. And, and that's what you have to go for when you're developing the brand. And I figured that out just through trial and error and, and over time and realizing what is important to base culture? What's not important to base culture? What do the, what resonates with the consumer? How do I get a, a message across in a way that will be impactful that they will be willing to trust base culture to give it a try? And will that develop a loyal customer and how to, to build on that? And so branding's your lifeblood. You know, it's everything from start to finish and, and the continuing relationship you have with the customer. Talking about branding being your lifeblood, you literally are very much the brand as a person, you know, which which creates mm -hmm. transparency and and a real person rather than a brand image to, to root for. But now that you're a mom, um, how, how does it affect your personal life? Or is the baby just part of <laughs> every Instagram story? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's been an interesting transition from being just entrepreneur and to being mom mompreneur i guess if you want to call that is that <laughs> frowned upon is, is that a term that's actually frowned upon or is that is that a term that is actually embraced mompreneur i think it depends on who you're talking to okay truthfully <laughs> you know because <laughs> you, there are some people where you you tell them you have a family and you have this life you know outside of the business and it's like well if you want to be successful you need to dedicate your entire every waking moment you have to the oh, business Jesus. and while that's true to an extent you have to make it work for your life because hey like it's also your life <laughs> right and so i um you know and then in, in the other breath there's plenty of people that are super supportive of this transition that i'm going through and i've gotten a lot of people reaching out to be supportive and offer encouraging words of advice and how they've done it too because it's not i'm not the first woman to have a baby and run a business you know it's not unheard of and it has been done before It's just a matter of adjusting mentally and, and physically to the other demands. And so thankfully, I'm one of eight kids and in my family, and um, I have a lot of babysitters built in. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm able to work out of my house a lot, which is great. But then I also have my, my siblings there to help support and watch my baby while I'm working or taking calls or You know, they're able to help put her to bed if I'm, I'm, I'm too busy doing emails. And so I've got the support internally from my family to help build my new family. And then also base culture is, I, I kind of joke and I say, 
base culture was my first baby and now Eloise is my second baby. And so, you know, I became a new mom and a second mom all at the same time. Um, but it's just a balance, you know, it's figuring out what's working for you and what's not and making what's not work in the long run. And uh, it's wonderful, but I swear she'll be our very best sales girl when she's able to talk. I think face culture will be her first words. <laughs> if she wants to or not. <laughs> right. But I was sending emails on day two of her life from the hospital bed. So <laughs> it's been a key part of her upbringing thus far. I don't anticipate that changing anytime soon, but um, she'll, she'll be well-versed within the consumer product industry very early in her life. <laughs> and, you know, there, there are some entrepreneurs that from, from the get-go say, you know what, I don't want to be the face of the brand. I just want to, I want to run the brand, but no one really needs to ever see me, get to know me. You know, we have a personality for the brand, we have a message, but I do not want to be, you know, outgoingly the brand as, as, as a person. Um, given the chance... Would you not be the face of the brand if you had to do it all over again? Or do you feel like it is really what makes it so authentic? I think that for base culture, it really does give it life. You know, this isn't just a story where I stumbled across a recipe. You know, this was based off of my life, truthfully. This was tr because I wanted this product. And that's how we were founded. And I think if I weren't involved as intricately as I am... Um, the branding would lose its appeal, it would lose its lust, and it would have a, more of a flat effect than a robust. And so for base culture, you know, and other companies operate differently. And there are plenty of success stories that the founder isn't as involved on the branding aspect. But I think I wouldn't do it again, or I wouldn't do it differently if I were to do it again, I would still be as involved as I am. And You know, it's really fun for me, honestly. That's my favorite part is going out and having the meetings or doing podcasts like this and talking to people because I am so passionate about it. You know, I, I would hate just to be doing the work behind the scenes. You know, I think that would be that would be boring for me, having the ability to go and sit on panels and talk and answer questions and dive deep and explore the realms of where, where I am in my personal life and as it relates to base culture. If this is my life. That is what I do. It's it, more than 50% of, well, more than 50%, I would say more than 80% of my days is focused around the company. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been fun in developing myself through the company and the company through myself. And it's your passion. And I, I, I read it in an interview where you, you were answered, uh, you, you were asked the question, how do you define success? Um, and I'll quote you here with your answer. You said, I used to say that when we make X amount of money, we would be successful. However, the day we hit that X dollar amount, the goal then changed to something twice as much. It was after this happened about five times that I realized that success is not measured by the amount of money you're making. Rather, it is measured by the difference you're making in other people's lives along the way. How do you see that difference you're making with your brand, the impact you're having? Where do you get to witness that feedback when you're out there? Well, first of all, I've never been quoted before, so that was really cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. It's the only one I have, but... but, but <laughs> No, it was very, it was very good. Um, yeah, we see people sending us responses that they dive in and, and they're vulnerable and they open up about the way our products have impacted themselves. And 
and we see this through Instagram, we see it through Facebook, we get messages through our email on our website, and we get comments on our, our pages on our website as well next to the products. And so yeah, and they're available for everyone to see. If you go onto our website, you just scroll down and you can see all the comments. Um, but we, this support, the the honest truth of what people see in our products and how it's affecting them, you know, from someone that has an eating disorder that hasn't allowed themselves to have a dessert or a bread for years and years because they don't think that they they can as a person do that, that they stumbled across our products, they read the ingredients, and they were able to convince themselves that it would be okay to have a brownie because how clean and how pure the ingredients are. And they indulged and they had it and it, they love it and they're coming back to it. And, and that truly changed it. It was a pivotal moment in their lives. We see people reaching out saying their child has autism and that they, they have to eat this clean lifestyle, this clean way of eating. They have to do that because of the disease that their child has. But because our products don't have the artificial sugars, they don't have the additional bad ingredients in it that a lot of products do, especially in the baked goods category, that they've been able to enjoy a brownie, you know, it's a kid enjoying a brownie, you know, while that might not seem as monumental to, to many people, it is impactful for someone that has never been able to give their kid a brownie in his life. And so, you know, those are just two examples of ways that I've seen these products not only change lives, but really be a part of their growing future to really have that ability to provide products. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, oh, you're just, you have a bakery. But yeah, we do have a bakery, but we, we stand for something more than right. just baked goods. You know, we're giving these, these customers opportunities that weren't available to them before. And we're growing with them and we're developing more products for them. And that's why we do it. You know, that's the main reason because we can add things to people's lives to make it easier for them to live healthier and, and happier. And so that's truly, that's what success is. You know, we can keep shooting for higher goals. We can keep shooting for more money. We can keep shooting for a bigger facility or we can keep shooting to make a difference in people's lives. And at the end of the day, that's what drives me forward because, you know, like you said in in the quote that I had uh, passed along in another interview, that bar of success, that'll just keep getting higher and higher and higher. And if that's what you're, you know, hanging your hat on then you're always going to be disappointed (laughs) (laughs) because it's just going to keep growing and so to find that satisfaction in the daily drive because you know this is a hard business it's it's definitely not easy it doesn't come easily you have to work at it every single day Um, but to be able to find success that and that rewarding success is really truly what makes the difference for me. And if you would distill all of that into one word that can describe your brand, I call it your brand DNA. What, what would be that one all-encompassing word that your brand could stand for? Freedom. I think that's the word I would use if I were to pick one. Go deeper. <laughs> freedom, freedom for the, for, the, for, the, for, for the actual customer, for the consumer to, to at last be able to eat to eat uh, exactly exactly Mm -hmm. you know not having the stigma around baked goods and snacks any longer but be able to enjoy something that they truly want it's a it's a brownie it's a bread it's a banana bread it's a pumpkin bread 
you know, it's all the better, but it's freedom to let yourself enjoy it and to actually enjoy it, not just satisfy or not just um, settle for a quote unquote healthy product because it, you have to eat that way, but to want to eat this way and freedom from a nutritional standpoint, not having to worry about the ingredient deck, not having to worry about what you're putting in your body, but knowing that you're putting actual food in your body that it can use as fuel instead of stores fat. So freedom, you know, freedom comes in a lot of ways, but especially when it comes to indulging and snacking and having dessert, there's a lot of stigma around it when you're trying to live healthier or you need to live healthier for your own self and the freedom to do that in a way that you can enjoy, I think is the one word or how I would describe it if I were to take one word. It's really refreshing because when you think of freedom as a, as, as a brand DNA, you usually think of Harley Davidson. So you just brought it into a new decade. <laughs> and I love yeah. that. It's like, right. This is exactly. what freedom it's means today. <laughs> <laughs> um, as we're, as we're, as we're getting, getting to um, the point uh, of, of, of wrapping up um, this, this show, uh, this episode, um, do you have any, any final you know, piece of brand advice? Because you've been through different agencies. You worked really hard to get this done you're also a very young entrepreneur um you, you you did everything you know without without any big knowledge of you know of, of of your field that you entered and 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 marketing and branding and all of it was very fresh to you do, do you have any brand advice for for founders as a as a final takeaway yeah i would say you know trust your gut when whenever you're in doubt trust your gut you know listen to yourself you know your brand better than anyone else um you know there might be other people out there that have more industry experience and more knowledge based off history, but no one will ever know the brand better than the founder. Um, it is your baby. It's your life. It's exactly what you think about almost all of your days. And that will give you the gut feeling you need to drive a brand forward, uh, whether it be the image that you're painting as the packaging or the voice you're trying to create on social media, um, that, that gut feeling that gut check is is truly your guiding force and uh like i said there isn't someone else that can tell you what that is you know you, that is part of you that will always be yours um so to trust in that and to really dive into what that means for you will help guide you whenever there's a question i so 110% agree with that. Um, and that, that's also how I work with, 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 with companies on their brand. It's if, if I don't, I'm really, I'm a brand therapist. That's all I do, right? I just get it out <laughs> of the founder because it is, right. it is, you know, I am not going to create the strategy. They create the strategies because they already have it in them. It's just me who has to align everything for success. Um, so I really, right. I really loved, loved what you said. Um, well, then that's a hard, that's a hard thing too, you know, actually oh, like it took us so long to get to a place where branding was you know it took three agencies to actually articulate it it's not an easy process but to, for founders to go through that uh, you know, rigorous step the steps it takes to find who you are and what you are as a brand is so important and so the role you play is monumental because more agencies have 
answers, then they have questions. And questions is really where the answers lie. So, exactly. Exactly. Uh, listeners who fell in love with, 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 with your brand, with what you talked about, who want to, um, you know, uh, have uh, buy into a lifestyle that is, that is more natural and more, and more primal, um, and, and in a way more, more logical, <laughs> uh, where, <laughs> where can they find your products? Uh, only in the U S I assume, but are there certain regions? Are there certain places where they can find it? Yeah, we're national in, in the U.S. Our products are in both natural and conventional stores. We're national with Whole Foods, so any Whole Foods in the nation. Uh, we're also in Sprouts. We're also in Kroger and Alberts and Safeway. Again, throughout the whole nation, so not regionally focused. Uh, we're also in Walmart and HEB. Uh, we're in Wegmans, if that's your shopping preference. Uh, we're also in, in Fresh Market. We actually just got placement there. We'll be there at the end of this month. So that's some exciting news. Uh, but we, really, we have a lot of locations. We're in almost 8,000 stores across the country. So I encourage you guys to go on our website, which is baseculture.com, and type in your zip code on our, our um, locator page. On, and that'll show you exactly where our products are near our store by you and what products are sold there. So you can go into the store knowing exactly what we carry at that particular location. And because we do have a wide variety of products, not every store has everything we carry, but we're working on expanding our distribution. So that'll help guide you to, to exactly what you're looking for. Jordan, congratulations on your amazing success, which happened so quickly. Um, and congrats on being a new mom. Um, and now you've got you. now you've got the two babies. Um, yes. <laughs> and thank you so much for having been on the show. I know it's a busy lifestyle currently for you. So, um, you know, for you to spend those uh, 40 somewhat minutes with us, um, we all really appreciate your time and your insights. Absolutely. It's been an honor talking with you. Thank you for, for having me on. This is my pleasure. What an inspiration for any entrepreneur, but also for me to get back into the all-natural diet. Thank you for listening. Please rate the show and show your support via patreon.com slash hitting the mark so we can make this podcast 100% community-enabled and sponsor-free. And you get to hop on an hour-long Google Hangout group call with me once a month, where I can give you entrepreneurial brand and creative advice worth much more than the $15.95 you'd spend to support this programming. The Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark. <laughs>